Welcome to Disrupting Japan. Straight talk from Japan's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for joining me. Who says traditional Japanese companies can't innovate? Well, okay, actually, a lot of people say that. I mean, yeah, to be honest, almost everyone says that. But the point is, those people are wrong. Now, I've talked before about my work at TEPCO and other large companies and the progress they're making with their innovation programs. But today, we're going old school. And I mean really old school. Masataka Hoso is the 12th generation leader of Hoso, the company that bears his family name. Now, Hoso is one of Japan's most famous kimono makers. They used to provide fabrics to emperors and shogun. But times have changed. And today, Masataka explains how he's innovating and changing with the times. Hoso still makes kimono fabrics, of course. But they're also working with companies like Dior and Chanel to create new design ideas. And also with companies like Panasonic to change the way people interact with electronics. It's a great conversation, not only about fabrics and fashion and the unexpected way that they affect our lives, but one of a unique approach to innovation and of punk rock. But you know, Masataka tells that story much better than I can. So let's get right to the interview. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm sitting here with Masataka Hoso of Hoso, uh, one of the most innovative textile manufacturers in Japan.、Mm. So thanks for sitting down with me. Thank you. <laughs> Hoso is a very different kind of company、mm. than the startups that usually come on the show. I mean, you were founded 330 years ago,、mm. um, but you're doing really new things. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about who Hoso is and what you're doing today? Okay, well, Hoso is a family business, and we have been making kimono more than 300 years in Kyoto. Because Kyoto is a 1000 year old capital, and our textile called Nishijin Textile. Nishijin is a district of name. In the center of Kyoto, about、uh, 3 kilo square meter. And this area has been making、uh, textile more than 1,200 years. And before, our client is、uh, Imperial Kyoto,、um, Shogun is the top of Samurai. And so, Nishijinori, I mean, you mentioned it's 1,200 years old. Is, is it the same technique today as it was 1200 years ago, or has it been improved along the way? I think so, yes. The textile improves so every year, every year. So sometimes our special material 400 years ago developed. We called haku, the Japanese paper, put on the gold leaf after the cut. The material is developed. Yeah, 400 years ago. Now, still, we use it. We'll put up some links on the site to the videos you have on, on your site because it's really an amazing process to watch.、Mm. 
But these days, you're also working with Dior and Chanel and, and a lot of modern designers. Our company, because we still make a kimono. And as a side, we make a textile and we provide to overseas luxury markets such as Christian Dior, Chanel, Louis Vuitton. We provide textile, sometimes for wall covering, sometimes for upholstery. Okay, so the, the material they're using is, is for their interior design and, and fabrics, not the fabrics of the clothing. Yes, sometimes we have a project with the fashion house. They use for the clothes for the Paris collections. Now we work with three categories. One is for interior project, one is a fashion project, and one is a contemporary art project now. All right. Well, listen, I want to dive into each of those a little bit later. But before we do that, let's, let's back up a bit and talk about you. Okay. So, you know, Hoso has been a family business for, for 330 years. You're the 12th generation? Yes, I'm 12, yes. That's, that's amazing. And you took over the company about 10 years ago, right? Yes, 10 years ago. All right, so, so let's, let's step back to that time. So you were saying at that time, Hoso had been continuing its tradition of making um, kimonos, kimono fabrics, right? Yes. That's definitely a shrinking market. Mm, yeah. So, well, actually, in, in Japan, when did the kimono market peak? I think peak is 70s or 80s. 70s and yeah. 80s? Oh, I'm surprised it's that late. Yeah. Of course, so kimono market before 100 or 200 years ago, Japanese people, everyone had to have a kimono. A kimono yes. Yeah. And 150 years ago, so Western cultures came to Japan. But our text, Nishiji, is very high-end. Yeah. So before, it's, uh, general people never put on Nishiji. Oh. Just only high-end. But the bubble era. Yeah. So during the bubble era, everyone could afford really high-end kimono. The turning point, I think, 150 years ago, in mid period, everything that changed. Sure, sure. And the men changed very quickly. The women took a few more decades. Yeah. That makes sense. So, yeah, the, the increasing wealth is what allowed so many people to, to buy it. Mm. After that, was it simply fashion changed? Yes. So this 30 years, the kimono market shrinking. Yeah, 19% loss become a 10%. Wow. And then this is in textiles, the same as well. Okay, so when you were growing up in this family as the 12th generation, yeah. that's a lot of expectations and I'm sure a lot of pressure. Was this something you always wanted to do? Mm, uh, yeah, when I was children, I don't like my family business because uh, I feel very conservative. I, wanna, I want to do the more creative things. And uh, after graduate university, I started my own company. Oh, really? What did, what did that company do? Uh, before, I do the musicians. Really? Yeah, musicians in my background. I was a professional musician too. Oh, really? First oh. time I came to Japan, a Japanese record company brought me to Japan. Oh, really? Yeah. So you did that for a couple of years? I, do, I, I make music. Sometimes I work with uh, commercial films. 
But the situation is not so good because sometimes I get project, but sometimes you know, the industry is a very not so big market. It, it's very, very it's, hard to. It's hard to yeah, make money as a yeah, musician. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I try to f- do the best job, but the business is very hard. Yeah. And I started my fashion house, and the concept is fashion, and music, and design, art. So when you were moving away from the pure music and expanding mm-hmm. it to kind of music and fashion house, mm-hmm. was that on your own or was that as part of Hosol? Uh, this is independent. Completely independent. Yeah, I never think about uh, joining my family business. So what, what changed your mind? Uh, 12 years ago, my father is the CEO of my company. And he tried to was participated in the exhibition in France, like a cushion. Right, right. It was on a, like a, a chair. Right? The, the first in the chairs. And this is 2006. Okay. So your father was the one that kind of took that first step. Hmm. Yeah. And this is like my kind of test marketing. I think my family business is more conservative kimono. But I feel kimono expanded overseas market. That. So it kind of changed your impression of your dad? Yeah, but I don't know because just 2006, just test marketing. Yeah. Never build a business model, just for testing. But still, for a, a 300 and, well, then it was a 320 year old company, especially something as traditional. I mean, textiles are traditional, mm. and kimono. Textiles must be the most traditional market imaginable. Mm. So this seems like a pretty big step. Yeah, huh. I think so. Yeah I, yeah, I decide back to my family business because I found a family business. It's very creative. So after that first test marketing in 2006 in Paris, what was the next step? And I back to my family business. And I start challenge for get the new market for overseas. But before, people never do that. Yeah, the first steps, yeah, I participated many, many kind of exhibition in Milano Salone and uh, participated in the exhibition in Frankfurt and sometimes in Paris. And uh, I bring to the cushions with our textile. But so very difficult to build the business model. What was the breakthrough? Because you mentioned now one of your main lines of business is providing fabrics for interior design and for art installations. Yeah, the first I think just focus for products, so no materials. I focus more Japanese Japanese patterns. But so the turning point is. Uh, 2008, so there is an exhibition in Paris in the Louvre Decorative Museum. And the title is a kind of Japanese senses. And the exhibition moved to the next year, moved to New York. And uh, after the exhibition in New York, I got uh, one email. I get the offer from this architect. If you want to develop the textile, I got uh, image from him. The pattern is a very abstract pattern. 
not Japanese patterns. So, so it was a blending of of more modern Western design with traditional Japanese techniques and textiles. Yes,、right. just used for the yeah traditional technique and material, but the pattern is a very contemporary way. So this is a turning point for me. Yeah, before I think I focus more Japanese patterns. Okay, once you had this insight and you said, okay, there's there's a demand. I found my new market. Were there changes you had to make inside the company? Did you have to retrain people? Did it require new equipment? Of course, yeah. First time, so the craftsman, so worry about yeah everything, but because everything is well, never do that. Already they have a skills. Maybe one or two months we start to develop. What was what was their attitude? Did they see this change as a new and exciting opportunity, or did they view it as non-traditional? And why are we making this strange、mm. Western stuff? Yeah, they have a boss. Boss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have some afraid for the new things, but sometimes they hope to the new market. And and today. What percentage of your business is still traditional kimono fabrics? Eighty percent kimono and twenty percent our new business. Okay, and and I'm curious because there are some businesses in Japan that are just so traditional they exist in their own their own silo. Does your traditional business, the the kimono markets, are they aware of the things you're doing with the art installations and with Dior?、Mm. Or are they like two separate worlds? Yeah, before I just start, I think so separate. I have to build a new market, new business. But now I think not separate. Everything is what I say connected because our mission is how to maintain our kimono culture to the future.、Mm. When I think about it, the women who own. Your kimonos probably also own Chanel and Dior、mm. goods as well.、Mm. Let's talk about textiles in general, because every day we're surrounded by fabrics and textiles, from the clothes we wear to the the furniture to the carpeting. But we don't really think about them.、Mm. So I'm I'm curious. When you see fabric or when you see textiles, what what do you notice about it first? What's important about it? For our textile, Nishijin textiles, the important thing is very similar to the jewelry in the Western company, country, because before two or three hundred years ago in Japan, they never put on the jewelry. So for them, is、uh, the textile called jewelry? So our textile is、yeah, very similar to the jewelry because sometimes put on the Japanese wax papers, put on the gold leaf. Right. I, I,、mm. I was watching the videos. It's amazing.、Mm. Some of these are fifteen, ten or fifteen、yeah. layers of、mm. silk in different thicknesses,、mm. and it's、yeah. it's astounding. Yeah, and sometimes the shell is a slice of shells、uh, whipped into the silk. Very complicated, but why complicated? Just for the beauty, for them is a textile core, really. So when you're when you're making something new,、mm. something genuinely new, it's obviously more than material and pattern.、Mm. 
What is the difference between a work of art, something that's done right, and something that's just pretty? Yeah, that's very difficult question. <laughs> yeah, I feel beauty, or I don't feel a beauty. Yeah, the beauty is uh, very difficult to explain. Our textile is very three-dimensional textile right. because the structure is very complicated. We have uh, 20 layers and uh, everything is three-dimensional. If change the angle, everything is changed. Change the colors. It's very complicated, the coloring, everything. But also you can't really control, like jewelry mm. is is static. Once a jeweler makes something, it's done. And different women may wear it, but it doesn't change. But fabric, mm. even kimono, women wear it differently. And obis, there's a hundred different ways they get tied. Mm. So the fabric will be used differently by different people. Yeah, I think Western clothes cut the textile put on the body. Yeah, this is the first body. And for kimono, the tailoring is very flat. For example, the kimono is just one flat textile and cut the eight parts. They become a kimono. Just not so three-dimensional, mm -hmm. just one textile. It's very difficult to use Western clothes. Western clothes is cut. Yeah, Western clothes have their, their own shape. Yes, own, yes. If, if I take this shirt and I put it on a hanger, yeah. Or I put it on my shoulders. It kind of looks the same. Yeah, the textile follow body. Yeah. Japanese kimono is the opposite. Actually, so far, we've been talking about textiles in terms of fashion and interior, which is how almost everyone thinks of them today. Mm -hmm. But you've also been working with textiles in other applications, like electronics, mm. um, You've been working with the MIT Media Lab. Mm. Uh, you did a really interesting project with Panasonic yeah. using textiles as a, 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 as a speaker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So three years ago, we collaborated with the Panasonic. And this time is uh, how to mix traditional beauty with technology. Many electronic makers just push the only technology, very futuristic. Sure, sure, the UI is lots of lights and buttons. Yes, yes. But so this collaboration, the concept is hidden technology. So we make a speakers. The surface is our textile. And if put on the textile, the sound is start. The take off speaker, the sound is stopped. So the sound would respond to how you're touching the, the textile, yes. touching the fabric. Yep. How did people react to it? Yeah, people surprised, kind of, like Harry Potter's. <laughs> yep. Sort of magical. Yeah, magical, because never find the technology. But that is interesting, because I think the, the most important technology in our life is always invisible. Mm. It's the things we don't think about. It's just become natural to us, like mm -hmm. electricity. We don't think about electricity anymore. It's just there. Mm. Yeah, recently, is, uh, of course, AI is coming. So the people, maybe people will be go to the Mars. So th this is a very, what I say, important period for the humankind.
But textile, there is uh, more than two or three thousand years. That's right. It was one, one of the first human products, wasn't I it? I think so. So I'm very interesting for what is the textile, what is the beauty. I think yeah, textile is a very primitive thing. Yeah. Of course, the technology is important. We improve the... And the next phase is uh, yeah, craft with uh, technology. Now, this is a really interesting aspect of innovation in Japan. So Japan is world famous for craft, mm. for, you know, monozukuri, the, the dedication to getting things just perfect mm. and then improving a little bit more. Mm. But... That sometimes is in conflict with innovation and, and trying new things. So h- how did you balance that within your own company? The, this pull between let's be innovative, let's try new things, and the, the de- dedication you have to tradition. When I was junior high school student, I started the guitars and I started the original band. We did the punk band. Yeah. <laughs> I, I listen. Excellent. Yeah, I love the Six Pistols. Oh, yeah. Yes. Excellent. And uh, when I, I was at junior high school, uh, I listened to Anakin in the UK. I'm shocking. And I started the music. Yeah, of course, I love the punk music. The Clash, Ramones. That's very cool. The Craft company. For example, Nishijin Textile, there's many history. Yeah, sometimes do the broken clash and rebuild. So we need uh, more yeah, destroy and rebuild. For example, so 150 years ago, more than 1,000 years, so Nishijin Textile do just all handmade. And uh, 150 years ago, our client in PDR is moved to Tokyo. And the uh, textiles are going down. And this time, the three craftsmen moved to the, went to the Lyon in France. And there is uh, technology, high tech. There's a Jagad system. Jagad system is automatically the. So me- mechanical loom? Yeah, this is a loom. So, and this, this way, the, the Nissan textile before is controlled with the humans. The group that went to France saw the, the automation and brought it back? Yes, and they did the innovation. So, so what's next for Hoso? Where are you going to be in 10 years? Or maybe you're thinking of where you're going to be in 100 years. Mm-hmm. But what's next? What's next? Just our textile business is just beginning. And now our craftsmen is just 10 craftsmen. Before, the three, just three craftsmen. And uh, my important thing is uh, yeah, more younger generations want to join our traditional business. This is the uh, most important things because our mission is how to continue for the future. And now we try to collaborate with technology, sometimes biotechnology. So right before you mentioned that the traditional kimono fabrics is about 80% of your business mm-hmm. and everything else is 20%. So in the future, do you see that staying the same? Do you see the, the new business being 80% and the kimono business being 20? 
Yeah, I hope the 50-50 is uh, this 10 years. Of course, I have to maintain traditional kimono. This is our core business, our origin. But our textile business, we have many possibilities because uh, our Nishijin textile, just 1,200 years ago, just focused just domestic market. The overseas people never know the technique, just beginning 10 years ago. So we have many possibilities. But I've noticed so far, Hoso does not use distributors. You're, you're interacting directly with every client. Mm. So most of the startups and most of the founders that come on the show have uh, global dreams. They want to IPO a $5 billion company, and they want to have offices in, around the world. So it doesn't sound like that's your dream. It, it sounds like you want to remain like a, a craftsman or a family of craftsmen. Mm. We are family business, so our company scale is very small. So it's okay. We, want to continue after 100, 200, 300. That's the most important things. So to kind of continue that tradition that you've had for the last 300 years, but expand it enough to survive in the modern world? Of course, so we, ha- we need uh, more innovate. Mm-hmm. So... so right now, most of the world's 100-year-old-plus companies are in Japan. But I think today a lot of those old companies are feeling a lot of pressure. Mm. Do you think a lot of them are going to be going away? Or are most of them reinventing themselves at like Hoso is? I think keep maintaining innovations, challenging, changing, creation. Yeah, that's why we collaborate with Panasonic, collaborate with Nissan. Of course, so Panasonic and Sony is a big company, but they want to find the, what do you say, like a DNA of innovations. So, so it would be a good idea for, for these small companies to try to work with, with big firms that are in completely different industries. Yes. I think so, the technology company, for example, Kyoto is there's a many technology company, Kyocera, Omron, mm-hmm. Nintendo. Uh, another thing is there's a many craft company, traditional company, more than 100 years companies, but so they never connect. And there's Kyoto, is there's uh, many university, Kyoto University, but so they never connect. But that's, that's changing now, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And, and I think this is why, um, for years I've said that Fukuoka has the best startup ecosystem in Japan. I mean, it's small, but it's really healthy and creative. And I, I see a lot of really interesting things happening in Kyoto as well. I think so. Mm. There's the IPS level, yeah. sometimes this is in Dexter level. <laughs> I think now it's very interesting. And the Panasonic Design Headquarters moved to Kyoto Did this it? year. Yeah. Wow. So Design Headquarters, 150 designers moved to Kyoto. 
Yeah, I'm very exciting. So yeah, I think Kyoto is really it, it's worth watching. I,、mm. I think it's a it's going to be a unique startup ecosystem、mm. because the the ingredients are so different、mm. there. Yeah, I think so. Excellent. Well, listen. Before we wrap up, I want to ask you what I call my magic wand question, and that is, if I gave you a magic wand,、mm-hmm. and I told you that you could change one thing about Japan, anything at all, the education system, the legal system, the way people think about taking risks, anything at all to make it better for innovation in Japan. Better for innovation. What would you change?、Mm. Most people says、uh, fixed concepts, so not so flexibility. For example, the production makers like a sharp, okay, good qualities. I think that Sony and Panasonic match the corner skills.、So、about one hundred years ago, they don't have the way. And they don't have a concept.、Mm. Of course, they don't have fixed concept. But now is Japan is a success. Many people fixed the concept twenty, thirty years ago. Concept, I think so. In a sense that so many parts of Japanese industry became so successful,、mm-hmm. they just wanted to focus. Like, okay, we have the formula. Let's do it better. That's right. Yeah. And well, I guess. Hoso was the same way.、Mm. You had the formula; it was high quality, and it was focusing and doing it better. And only recently, you've decided to change and innovate. Yes, yeah, we make a kimono, long time, and this is our success model, success concept. Yeah. But ten years ago, if we just focus kimono, of course, the textile, the business. Never gone. We focus for not kimono, just textile. But actually,、mm. I think that's actually a really good model、mm. for all Japanese companies.、Mm. If you can take eighty percent of your resources and focus those on, this is what we do well. This is what we do better than anyone else.、Mm. And then take twenty percent and say, okay, let's try something crazy and new. And see if we can build something.、Mm. Yeah, I, I think that that concept. I like this concept. I I believe that there's a new generation, younger people. Yeah, that's very yeah unique. So you think the 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 current generation is more willing to try new things and to experiment and. And recently, we do the recruiting for the craftsmen. Sometimes recruiting for our marketing teams. Before. We do the recruit for Clatman. People never come in, but now it's ten or twenty times just one post. So for every yes, every opening you'll have ten or twenty applicants. Yes, so the situation is very changed. Well, that's interesting because it's not that Japan is at full employment.、Mm. It's hard to find people for anything. So why why is there so much interest? Do you think?、Uh, I think two reasons. The one is that they think so. Not traditional industry. They think for creative industry, for our Nishijin textile. This is one reasons. 
Another reason is、uh, they want to find the Japanese DNA and they think about the culture ventures. Interesting.、Mm. Our marketing teams came from the global big company. We are family, small family business, but many unique people are coming now. So, is there like a, a new interest in traditional Japanese crafts, or is, there a, is it a new interest in sort of fusion of tradition and, and modern crafts? Yeah, I think so. They don't feel the conservative. <laughs> that's, that's, very... that's great to hear. I mean, that's really an optimistic outlook on the future of. Innovation and of traditional、mm. crafts in Japan.、Mm. Yeah. Are, are there other traditional companies in Kyoto that are following similar paths? Six years ago, I started a new craft project called Go On Project. Right. This is a six craft company, the joint collaboration. The concept is、uh, how to expand to the craft, the overseas market, how to continue to the future. And as a member, is,、uh, we are a textile company, sometimes wood craft company, ceramic company, bamboo craft, and wire knitting. And, it, and it's all that same philosophy of traditional craftsmanship with modern yes. applications. Yes, and the go on is the meaning, so two meaning. One is,、uh, of course, the English go on, going on for the future. And、uh, another meaning is the Japanese meaning, go on is.、Uh, For respect for the ancestors, go on. Yes,、yeah. that's the two meanings. So we feel the go on, the for respect for the ancestors, and we receive the baton from the ancestors, the technique, material, stories, and、uh, we go、oh, on.、Before. Yes, that's right. That's fantastic.、Mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing more from Hoso and the rest of the, the go on community. Yeah. But、uh, thanks for sitting down with me. I really appreciate yes, it. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. And we're back. You know, you really owe it to yourself to check out Hoso's videos. And there are links to those at the site. Podcasting is a wonderful medium, but sometimes the spoken word just isn't enough, and you have to see something to really appreciate it. Anyway, One of the things I found most encouraging about Masataka's story is how many young people are now interested in joining them and learning these traditional crafts that they don't view as a 1200 year old craft being practiced by a 330 year old company. They don't view that as traditional, but rather as something that is fundamentally creative. And they're right, of course. Hoso is creative. And what they are doing provides a simple, easy to follow blueprint for other small Japanese firms that are trying to survive and grow in these changing times. And there are a lot of old Japanese companies in a similar situation. It sounds simple. I mean, it is simple. What Hoso is doing is taking Japanese craftsmanship and attention to detail. And applying that to the needs of a global market. They understand quality. They understand how to make high quality goods. But they're actively listening to their global customers before deciding what it is they actually should be making. 
The reason so many small and actually even large Japanese firms are struggling is not because of the lack of ability or quality, but an unwillingness to listen to the demands of the global market. And if you have any doubt as to the power of the combination of Japanese craftsmanship directed by global demand, well, take a look back at Japan's post-war expansion. It was Japanese craftsmanship applied to global demands that led the greatest economic expansion the world has ever seen. And you know, it could happen again. If you want to talk some more about kimonos or fabric or punk rock for that matter, Masataka and I would love to talk with you. So come by disruptingjapan.com slash show 131 and let us know what you think. And also, please feel free to follow Disrupting Japan on Twitter, Facebook, or even join our LinkedIn group. If you want to ask a question there, I guarantee you I'll respond. But most of all, thanks for listening. And thank you for letting people interested in Japanese startups know about the show. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for listening to Disrupting Japan.